0: This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media. Thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation to Visionathon today at vision.org.au. Dr. Michael Yusuf introducing you to the topic ahead on Leading the Way.
1: Solomon, who was asked by God, what do you want in life? And Solomon, above all and everything else, he didn't ask for power. He didn't ask for wealth, although God gave him all of that in addition. But he asked only for wisdom, because he knew that is the secret for joy and life. And yet, when God gave him wisdom and gave him wealth on top of that, he tried to live part of his life under the sun, trying to experience what it is like to live without God. And then he ended up with all these discoveries.
0: Thanks for joining Dr. Michael Yusuf, for this episode of Leading the Way Audio. Early in his Christian life, God sparked a passion in Dr. Yusuf's heart to reach the lost and equip the saints for ministry. And through his upbringing in Egypt, seminary training, and then years as a pastor, he and Leading the Way are uniquely positioned to share the message of the cross where many others are unable to go. Okay, here's Dr. Yusuf revealing the benefits of seeking godly wisdom as he continues his challenging series, What's It Like Down Under?
1: Some time ago, there was a story in the Chicago Tribune about a man who was walking along when he decided to take a shortcut by crossing the tri-state freeway. And when he got to the middle of the freeway, his hat blew off. And so as he turned back to retrieve his hat, he was struck by the oncoming traffic and killed him instantly. And here's the last sentence in this article in the Chicago Tribune. Let me read it to you. It is amazing how you can lose everything chasing nothing. It's amazing how you can lose everything chasing nothing. I wonder how many of us ever take time on a regular basis and ask ourselves the question what are we chasing? What are we chasing in life? What is the price that we are paying for chasing what we're chasing in life? King Solomon, who was the richest man in the world, the most powerful man in the world, the wisest man in the world at his time, decided that he wanted to chase after a whole lot of things, hoping that at least one of them will bring him satisfaction, that will bring him contentment, that would bring him peace of mind that he was desperately looking for, that will bring him enjoyment in life. So he chased after science and the natural law. He chased after philosophy and psychology. He chased after sensuality and pleasures. He chased after materialism and wealth. and He chased after beautiful architecture and gardens and the ascetics. He chased after hedonism and self-indulgence. He chased after egoism or uh, living for self. He was chasing after dead rituals of religion that none of them, none of them could bring him that peace of mind. None of these brought him the desired contentment that he was desperate for. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and 8, as we continue in this series of messages, what it's like down under, under the sun. He found out that chasing after all of these things did not help him one bit. But then he discovered there was one thing that got close. Not perfect, but close. Close. Did not answer all of the questions of life, but it got close. Did not explain all of the mysteries of life, but it got close. What was it? Wisdom. In fact, there are six words in the Hebrew language. All of them are translated into English as wisdom. <laughs> but the word that is used here in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, 14 times, is the Hebrew word chukma. What is it Chokmah means? It means to make the right choice or the right choices at the right times. It means to have an understanding, to have discernment in the difficult situations of life. It means not to be easily persuaded or deceived or allured by falsehoods and by imitations. And Solomon who was asked by God, what do you want? What do you want in life? And Solomon, above all and everything else, he didn't ask for power. He didn't ask for wealth, although God gave him all of that in addition. But he asked only for wisdom, because he knew that is the secret for joy in life. And yet, when God gave him wisdom and gave him wealth on top of that, he tried to live part of his life under the sun, trying to experience what it is like to live without God, and then he end up with all these discoveries. But he came into the ultimate discovery about wisdom, and he gives us in this chapter, chapter 7, at least three positive contributions that godly wisdom will give every one of us who ask God for it. Three. One, he said, wisdom will do you a world of good, verses one to ten. Secondly, he says, wisdom will give you clarity of vision for your life, verses 11 to 18. And then, thirdly, he says, wisdom will give you power for living this life, verses 19 to 29. He says, wisdom will do your world of good. Now, I am not sure how many of you had a chance of reading that passage yet. And if you read them, if you've ever read them when you were alone… You must have come to the conclusion there's something wrong with your Bible. What's wrong with this guy? I mean, I mean look, if you're honest, you would have to have asked the question what was he smoking? <laughs> when he tells you that sorrow is better than laughter, what's wrong with that? When he says death is better than laughter, that the day you die better than the day you're born. What's wrong with this guy? Is he for real? What is he saying? And listen, if you react that way when you read those words at face value, if you reacted that way, you're fine. It's okay. Don't feel guilty about it, because I'm going to explain it to you. (laughs) And the problem is the English language. (laughs) It's not the problem with Solomon, but it's the problem with the English language. Translation from Semitic languages, particularly parables and some of the Psalms, are very, very difficult. They're extremely difficult at times. Not that the translation in your Bible is wrong, as in, man, I'm going to change this translation for another translation. Your translation is not wrong, but those Proverbs, most of their meaning is in the rhyming of the words. And so, to correct this misunderstanding that comes across from the English text, you have to start with the first half of verse 1. The first half of verse 1 of chapter 7, when he says, a man's or a person's reputation is far more precious than the perfume that will evaporate. That is a foundational verse. Mark it in your Bible. Underline it in your Bible. But he said, how can death be better than birth? Listen carefully. Because in the original language, those two words rhyme together. Here's what Solomon is saying. Solomon is not contrasting death and life. He is not contrasting birth and death. He's not even concluding that to die is better than to be born. He's not saying that at all. He is contrasting the two most significant days of anyone's life, the two most significant days in the human experience, in the day you're born and the day you die. That's what he's comparing the two days, not the two events. He said, these are most significant days in any human experience, in your experience and in mine. The day when the birth is announced in the newspaper and the day when it's in the obituary column in the newspaper. And here's what he's saying. He's saying that a life that is lived between those two significant days will determine whether that name leaves behind a lovely fragrance or a foul stench. He is saying that the life that is lived between those two days, two significant days in the life of everyone, is going to determine whether you're going to leave behind a positive and uplifting example or a sense of horror. Well, think about this, if you get two names mentioned, in contrast, like Eisenhower, and Hitler. I mean, what's your reaction? Now, I'm not saying Eisenhower is perfect. Nobody is. But when you think of the name, you think of all kinds of positive things. Beautiful, smelling, fragrant of a life that is lived, dedicated, and committed to the service of the country. And the other one communicates horror. I want you to hear me right, please, because this is important. Solomon is not telling us to be preoccupied with death. He's not telling us to be obsessed about death. He's not telling us to be careless about death. He's not telling us to be unrealistic about death. But rather, here's what he's saying in those few verses, the first ten verses. He's saying, be realistic about death. He's saying, learn to number your days. He is saying, learn to live this life with eternity in mind. He said, look upon the rebuke of the constructive criticism that comes from a righteous, from a godly person as an opportunity, not for you to lash out against them, but as a good medicine that will be of greater value. Than the flattering words of a foolish person. Don't go for the shortcuts in life. Don't go for the shortcuts because most likely you'll be lost. In fact, most likely you will lose everything. Wisdom will do your world of good. Secondly, wisdom will give you clarity of vision. Look at verses 10 11 to 18. When you have godly wisdom, You will see things from an eternal perspective, not from this tiny little short life perspective, but from an eternal perspective. And when you see things from the eternal perspective, you're going to accept the challenges of life. You're going to be able to deal with the unexpected turns in life. You will be able to overcome the obstacles that you face in life, and you're going to turn them from obstacle to stepping stones. And Solomon said that when you face challenging situations in life, wisdom will be far more precious to you than a very rich inheritance. You say, what? What? Everybody's looking for a rich inheritance. Everybody's looking for a rich uncle. But listen, he said, why is he saying that? Ah, because money loses its value. Money can be lost. But godly wisdom, listen carefully, please. Godly wisdom keeps its value. Godly wisdom will never be lost. The person who has godly wisdom will be able to create wealth. The person who has godly wisdom will be able to use wealth wisely. The person who has godly wisdom will be able to bless others with wealth. But a foolish person with a billion dollars can blow it away in a few days. I was reading some statistics just this week about the vast percentage of those who won these multi-million dollar lotteries and vast number of them go through these millions of dollars in a very short period of time and some of them actually end up homeless. Why? Foolishness. Lack of godly wisdom. He said "Is far better than a rich inheritance because wisdom gives you perspective in life. It gives you perspective on life. Wisdom, Godly wisdom will give you a vision for your life. Godly wisdom will give you a purpose for life. Godly wisdom will give you clarity of vision in your life. When you have godly wisdom, you will have balance in life. You will have balance in life. You don't tip the scales of your life one way or the other. And when you have godly wisdom, you're going to walk by faith both in the familiar roads of life and the unfamiliar ones. Uh, you will be faithful to God in all our circumstances, whether the ones that make sense to you or the ones that don't make sense. And we all face those. When you have godly wisdom, you will not fret. When you see the wicked prospering, as the Psalm 73 shows us clearly, how many of God's people through generations fret, They were fretting when they saw the wicked prospering and the godly suffering. But you will not fret. Do you know why? Because you know the answer to Jesus' question. What profits a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? When you have godly wisdom. Look at verse 16. Verse 16. When you have godly wisdom, you will not fall in the traps of self-righteousness or legalism or dead Religious rituals. Why? Because in verse 18, you would rather, because you're walking in the righteousness that comes from fearing the Lord. To fear God is to know how to live in this world without self righteousness and complacency on the one hand, nor ingratitude to God for all of His blessings that He has given you on the other. The problem with most of us, when we face tough times, when we face difficult circumstances, when we face puzzlements in life, we tend to forget all of the blessings that God has given us, and all our focus is on one thing. But oh, begin to think of all the blessings that God has given you in your life, and you'll be overwhelmed. It's like the song we learned in Sunday school, count your blessings Name them one by one. Ah, oh, you'll be amazed to find out what the Lord has done. You don't have to have a seminary degree to realize that ingratitude does not bless the heart of God. Wisdom will do your world of good. Solomon said, secondly, wisdom will give you clarity of vision. And thirdly, he says, wisdom will give you power for living. Who doesn't need power to live in this? in these days. Look at verse 19. He says, wisdom makes the wise more powerful than ten rulers of a city. <laughs> Look, I know people are forever looking for power in their life. It's in the media all the time. Take control of things, you know. I mean, it's in the titles of books. You go in the bookstore, say, take control of things, you know. Take control over your stress. Right. Now, well, how do you do that? <laughs> I mean give me a break. Listen to me. Only when we daily walk in the Spirit of God who is the Spirit of wisdom, only when we walk with Jesus under His control and under His Lordship, only then can we be able to take control of anything. Do You look around and you say, the world is out of control. The world, look at the earthquakes are killing tens of thousands of people. Look at the cyclones are killing tens of thousands. If look at the natural disasters that affecting millions of people around the world. Look at the raging wars around the world. The last time I checked, 31 different hotspots in the world, wars are going on. And easy to conclude that things are out of control. Oh, yeah, they may be out of your control, out of my control, but they're never out of God's control. He is in control, and He is in charge whether we acknowledge Him or not. And only godly wisdom is able to give us the confidence to know that God is in control no matter what happens. Only godly wisdom will be able to give us the power to control the ship of our lives. Only God's power can control things in our lives. In fact, it is godly wisdom that gives us that confidence, even when we don't have all of the answers, even when we don't have all of the answers to all of life's difficulties and problems and all the questions of life, we are at perfect peace because of godly wisdom. Because we do have some answers. Ah, but if we have all of the answers about all of life's questions, there would be no need for us to look forward to heaven, right? Why would you look forward to heaven? Where we have a new glorified bodies. Where we're going to reign and rule with Christ. Where we're going to be like Jesus after the resurrection. Why would you look forward to that? that's why all these new age people, all these motivational preachers and, and motivational teachers and, and motivational speakers, they're going around saying, "This is life is all there is." <laughs> but the truth is, listen to me, in this world, you're not going to live for very long without realizing that you're going to face sin, that you're going to face temptations, that you're going to face the devil, that you will be facing manipulation by others, that you'll be facing seduction and deception on the part of others, that you'll face all of that in life. Ah, but here's what godly wisdom does. It's not that we're not going to face these things, but godly wisdom is going to give you power to discern the traps of Satan It's going to give you power to overcome temptations. It's going to give you power to defeat Satan. It's going to give you power to avoid entrapments of this world. It's going to give you power to save you from allurements of this world. It's going to give you power to walk in His righteousness alone. Let me illustrate to you from a true life story what I believe Solomon is trying to tell us in chapters 7 and 8. Many years ago, there was a young man who applied for a job as a pilot of a steamboat up and down the Mississippi River. And a man who was conducting the interview was convinced in his mind that this young man cannot do the job. And so he asked him the question Young man, he said, Do you know where the rocks are in the river? And the young man scratched his head for a moment and he said, No, sir. I don't know where all the rocks are in the river." And sort of the interviewer kind of feeling justified in his own mind, but before he could even finish his thought, the young man continued. He said, "Oh, but sir, I know where all the rocks ain't. I know where all the rocks ain't. I may not know where they are, but I don't know where they are not.'" And he got the job. Beloved, listen to me. Solomon is saying that godly wisdom may not show you where all the rocks in life are, but they're going to show you where they ain't. (laughs) It will show you how to navigate life with joy and peace and contentment. But the question, I think, on the mind of some, how do you get godly wisdom? how do you get that godly wisdom? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) When the Holy Spirit of God comes in to indwell you, and then on a daily basis being filled of the Spirit of God. See, the Holy Spirit has many names, and being called the Spirit of Wisdom is foremost among them. He is called the Comforter, He's called the Spirit of Jesus, but he's also called the Spirit of Wisdom. And the problem with so many people who are running around not experiencing godly wisdom is because they have grieved the Holy Spirit. They have quenched the Holy Spirit in their life, and they're wondering why they don't have godly wisdom. Only when the Holy Spirit comes, the Spirit of Wisdom dwells in you. And then daily be filled with that same Spirit. You say, well, how the Holy Spirit dwells in me. For those of you who have never declared Jesus to be the Lord of your life and the Savior of your soul, that's where you need to begin. Because the Spirit of Wisdom cannot come and dwell in you until Jesus becomes the Lord of your life.
0: A challenge from pastor and author of more than 50 books, Dr. Michael Yusuf, to seek true wisdom while navigating life. Maybe today's words from Dr. Yusuf have brought questions to mind about you and your spiritual journey. If so, we'd like to invite you to begin a conversation with a Leading the Way pastoral team member. Start at ltw.org slash Jesus. ltw.org slash Jesus. Well, that's just about all for today. But remember to join us again next time for more biblical teaching straight from God's Word on Leading the Way.